0: Well, good morning, everybody. As they say in Japan, Ohio goes I met some people from Arizona. Anyone from Ohio? If you're from Ohio, you know how to say good morning, Ohio. People in Ohio love to hear that, but Illinois people, we don't like that. So, so, yeah, it's great to be with you. Uh, we just arrived in, uh, from Tokyo on Wednesday, so my wife are right in the middle of jet lag. So if we kind of fade out during the service, you know why. Uh, we, uh, uh, we're we here visiting uh, some of our churches like yours, partnering churches, and we're also hanging out with our family, join our grandkids and our kids. And uh, I grew up in uh, the Chicago area. I was born in Chicago, lived near Wrigley Field for a few years, and then we moved to Rolling Meadows, and I grew up there. So I'm from Chicago, but, you know, I spent half of my life Living in Tokyo, Japan. And uh, we're always asked what are some differences between living in uh, Japan and the U.S., and here's just a few of them. Uh, one is that we drive on the left-hand side of the road, so uh, be careful following us out of the driveway today. Uh, uh, for you who are, who are wait staff, I'm sorry, but there's no tipping in restaurants in Japan, uh, which I have to remind people to remind me to tip when we come here. And uh, Tokyo is very high-paced. It's very, uh, people are very driven. I was just last week on a very crowded, crowded commuter train in Tokyo. And when we arrive in O'Hare Airport, I feel like we slow down uh, from, from Tokyo. And there's a lot of space here, a lot of space in America. It's, I drive and stop at a traffic light, and there's just a few cars around me, and I'm thinking, where is everybody, you know? In Tokyo, you're always in crowded traffic. Uh, But there are differences at a deeper level between America and Japan, uh, like beliefs and and values and worldview. And some of the big differences is how Japanese view God and his grace. Uh, In the United States, most people are concerned about a proper relationship with God, the creator and judge of the universe. But in Japan, they're concerned with good relationships with the spirit world, which is around them. Dealing with fortune and misfortune. Determining life's direction. And what about their, what are their ancestors doing with them right now? And, uh, Japan is a really high tech and developed country, as you know. And so it's not uncommon to see, you know, a a very high tech car with a hybrid engine and maybe some radar sensors on it. But on the back of the car is a little, uh, amulet sticker, lucky charm for traffic safety. So Japanese, they want to cover both bases, you know. Uh, and uh, where we live, first of all, Japan is a very group, soci- a very group society. Everybody belongs to a group, and you're expected to conform to the expectations of that group. And so the jap for the Japanese, their parents, their friends, and others determine their approval and acceptance whether you're good enough. And they have a saying in Japanese, the derukui wa utaru. Uh, The nail that sticks up gets hammered down. And so if you're sticking up, you get hammered down uh, in Japan. And that's especially difficult for Christians because in Japan only 1% of Japanese are believers in Christ. And it's really hard to live in a society like that. Also, uh, Japan is also a culture of obligation. Japan is a top-down culture, which means that everyone is obligated to perform for their elders, their parents their teachers, their leaders, and especially true in school and the workplace. And often we see this among pastors and Christians, that uh, there's this relentless drivenness for the approval of other people. Uh, And many Christians are exhausted from continually performance-driven diligence leading to emotional problems. And uh, some Japanese actually die, you know, from overwork. They write it on their death certificate. He died not from heart disease or cancer, but from overwork. And just this last week, I read in the newspaper, you know, they're getting ready for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. A man died from overwork because he was working so many hours. And third, there's an unseen side of Japan, kind of a Japan that hides itself. The social problems, kind of the emotional problems and the relational difficulties and there are a lot of hurting people in Japan right now. Uh, Japan is not proud of this. And one extreme example is uh, 2 million young people, uh, high school or a little older, are, have what is called acute social withdrawal syndrome, or hikikomori. And for, this is for fear of society, and they do not go out of their rooms for at least six months. They live in a room of their house because they're fearful of of society. Can you imagine that? This is the place that we've been living the last 30 years. Japanese society cries out for true community, like a church that loves and accepts everyone. Can you understand a little bit what I'm talking about? This is where we just came from on Wednesday. And for us, we're living in Japan. I think God has put us in a place where we can learn grace, God's grace at a different level that we could have if we just stayed here. Much of Japan's culture is going upstream against God and His gospel of grace. And we have this strategic ministry of training other people in starting churches of grace through the Church Planting Institute. And CPI emphasizes leaders with spiritual life and spiritual transformation going on all the time, driven by grace. And uh, the challenge of the gospel is not just to understand it in our heads, but also to live it consistently every minute of our lives. And so we developed a manual called Walking in the Gospel uh, for Leaders and Churches. And we just, this last year, uh, if you've been reading our news, we had some very successful, we call them Grace Week intensives, a whole week of learning about grace. Can you imagine how that is transforming? Uh, Japanese need the gospel of grace, but we all need to grow in our appreciation of grace. I need to understand grace more fully. Uh, how about you? Do you need to learn about grace? And we'll see later, how, Elaine and I are learning more about God's grace in, his, in our lives. And the, God changed my life uh, after high school. I was uh, kind of a prodigal son and it was far from the church. God changed my life, and I learned these biblical truths to how much God loved me and what Jesus did for me as my Savior. uh, But I keep forgetting it, and I keep needing to relearn it, it but it continues to change me the more I apply it in my life. And today I'd like to look at a passage in Ephesians chapter 1 briefly. If you have your Bibles, you can open your Bible, or if you have an app, you can go to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, One scholar has said that uh, this is one long, elegant sentence. Actually, it's 202 words of of one whole long, run-on sentence. And we don't have the time to mine all the depths of all of this uh, passage, but I just wanted to share a few reflections and some insights about uh, things that we have learned and have relearned about the transformation of grace in our life from this passage, how the Bible has changed my life. Uh, here in the book of Ephesians, Paul wants to the believers in Ephesus to comprehend the truths of the depths of their salvation. Uh, These are Christians, and he wants them to understand it more deeply, and he wants them to appreciate their standing in the grace of God. And I'd like to share with you myself two ways which we can experience God's grace in fresh and real ways today, uh, as I share with you. And actually, as I'm sharing with you, I'm actually preaching to myself as well, because I forget this stuff all the time, and I need to remind myself, preach the gospel to myself every day. First of all is that the, the grace of God means that we are to receive God's unconditional love. We're to receive God's unconditional love. Look at verses 4 to 6. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has given us in the one he loves. Now, right in the middle of that very short phrase, it's very easy to miss it, is in love. And in Greek, it's en agape or in agape. Agape is a word for love in, in Greek. We share the gospel with Japanese couples in our home. We started a simple ministry. We just invited a bunch of non-Christians over to our house for a supper club. and They're all believers, and one, one time... We usually have a little Bible time, and I. We were, it was St. Valentine's Day, so we opened the Bible to 1 John 4, where it says God is love, and I talked about God is love and what that means, and you know Valentine's Day and all that stuff. And I talked about the various words for love. The Greeks have four words for love, and uh, uh, and some of them are used in the Bible. One is storge, which is a, affection like a mother for her child. Another one is phileo, which you know of uh, friendship love. where We get Philadelphia, the a city of brotherly love. Uh, eros is a word that's not used in the Bible. Uh, this is romantic love, and we get the word erotic from it. But also the Greeks had another word for love, and it's called agape. And agape, this is God's love. When it talks about God's love in the Bible, you usually is using the word agape. Uh, and this is a love which is unconditional and boundless. Like in John 3.16, you know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son. That word used there is agape. And the, the Japanese that were over for that party could understand the other kinds of love, but they had never heard of unconditional love before. They never heard that unconditional love came from God himself. That was something that kind of blew their minds, blew their categories. Their whole lives they were loved, but conditionally. In the complicated relationships of conformity and obligation, their parents, their friends, their neighbors, their relatives, others, loved them if they measured up. If they did well in school, if they behaved well, they were loved. If they did not, they were not loved. Think about that for a moment. There is a creator God that we just sang about a few minutes ago, and he loves you without any conditions whatsoever. Do you believe that? There's no love if, there's no love because. Imagine that. That is agape. That is the love of God in the Bible. What do you think of that? This was earth-shattering for these Japanese. And Elaine and I were really kind of caught off guard. We didn't really expect this. And after, after that, we called this group, we actually named it the Agape Group, because they're so into Agape. Uh, and more about them a little bit later. But besides Christianity, all of the other religions in the world are con- love is conditional. But why don't you and I receive this unconditional love more than if we really believe in it? And I think our problem is that often our love is conditional, isn't it? I'll love you if you clean your room. I'll love you if you get good grades. Or I'll love you if if you respect me. Or I'll love you because you do what I expect you to do. Or I'll love you because you do what I want. Or I'll love you because you perform in a certain way. For many Japanese, their love of parents is conditional on how well they do in school especially and in life. And the failure to do this leads sometimes to suicide, one of the highest in the world. Every year, my wife and I are fearful of the month of February, because that is the month when students take uh, entrance exams to schools. And if they do not pass, many of them will jump in front of a train or jump off a building and kill themselves. We actually call it suicide season. Uh, And it's very it's very scary to live in a place where suicide is one of the highest in the world. But, I, but I also, I don't know about you, but I feel unlovable at times. Uh, and maybe people you know or even, even us seem unlovable. And these unlovable people are not particularly attractive. They, and they can't perform and do something very special. And maybe there are some of you here today that feel like you're unlovable. Well, i got good news for you. God loves you more than you would ever know. Churches are filled with people, Japanese people, uh, who feel unloved because many of them, that's the only safe place for Japanese. Uh, They feel unconditional love there. Now, you and I know that we are to accept God's unconditional love for us, but we struggle, don't we, when we feel unlovable. We feel we don't deserve others' love, even God's love sometimes. And we think we're unworthy. I do. But remember this. Jesus loved the unlovable people. Remember uh, Jesus caught, and uh, the woman caught in adultery in John 8. Remember how he treated her? She felt condemned and shamed, but yet Jesus loved her by not condemning her in that situation. The other is like the prodigal son in John 15. Remember he, he went and spent all his dad's money, wasted his life, and... He returned to his father. He deserved nothing from his father. His father should have kicked him out. But here we have this message of how the father loved him and welcomed him back just like he had never left. This is the love of God for us. We need to accept this love of God for us. Have you received his unconditional love? And do you continually receive it every every day of your life? And because Japanese Christians are such a small minority in the population, less than one-half of 1%, Christians really struggle in Japan to be accepted by other people. And this really overrides their unique value as loved by Christ and their personal value. And so can I ask you a little probing question? Where are you seeking your personal value right now? What makes you valuable? Well, everyone has a unique desire to be loved. And, well, I have good news for you. In Christ, God loves you just as you are. You know, God cannot love you more than he does right now. And he refuses to love you any more than he does right now. That's good news, isn't it? That gets you up in the morning. And this should give you a sense of great value, a feeling of inner joy and a A smile on your face. And often, when I'm struggling in my Christian life, I'll just remember that it's not really a great spiritual song. It's an old one. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. It's really good news, isn't it? So that's the first thing that I wanted you to... Think about is as receiving God's unconditional love. But there's more good news in this passage. And that is the grace of God means appreciate God's acceptance as, a ch- as His child. Appreciate God's acceptance as His child. Look at these same verses again. Uh, verses 4. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us and the one he loves. There's a lot of heavy words here, uh, but the clear biblical meaning is that we have been adopted as God's children. All of us struggle to find acceptance and to belong. Uh, many of us boast on how many friendship, uh, Facebook friends we have, or we strive to get the maximum number of likes when we post on Facebook or whatever. But God, Paul talks about adoption here. And when we believe in Christ, God accepts us now because we're his children. And our relationship has changed from enemies and strangers to now we're children of God. And, and so that caused the Apostle John in chapter th- uh, 3 of 1 John to say, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. Isn't that cool? Well, then why don't we appreciate God's acceptance so much? Why do we struggle? I don't know if you're like me, but I struggle a lot, feel accepted by God. The problem is, is that we act like spiritual orphans. Spiritual orphans are often fearful, they're untrusting, they're hopeless, they're insecure, they're self-reliant and trapped. And I often feel that way. I worry and get angry. It's just an indication that I'm a spiritual orphan. Or spiritual children are trusting and they're hopeful and they're dependent and they're joyful and they're secure and confident and content. You know, Recently, I had a meeting coming up uh, and I spent three days worrying about a scheduled meeting and who was going to be there. You know what I mean? You know, And... Uh, what's going to happen and who's going to be there. And I remember dreading certain parts of the meeting. And uh, I, I thought I was left to my own resources. So I just worried and I didn't pray. And I struggled with God over it. And then I went to this meeting. And it was not only tolerable, it was, but God did some exciting things. And I felt I should have just trusted God in the first place and prayed about it as his child instead of worrying about it as an orphan. So I repented of my selfishness and my lack of faith and I rested in God's love and acceptance for me. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Good, I'm glad you do. I'm not just speaking Japanese today. So. But we are not spiritual orphans. I am not a spiritual orphan. We do have someone that protects us. We are not alone. We, uh, God has tons of resources for us. And we always have hope, and there's always, we are not helpless and hopeless on our own. We are children of God. What are you today? Are you a spiritual orphan, or are you a child of God? For some of us, receiving love is not easy. Uh, Some of us here today have sensed a lack of love from other people. And I want to remind you that we're deeply loved in a warm, accepting relationship with God. And so I'm going to have my wife come up here and share with you some of her grace journey with Christ as well. Uh, Come on, Elaine.
1: Good morning.
0: They don't speak Japanese, so be careful.
1: (laughs) About 40 years ago, I was driving to work, and during that drive, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I knew at that point that I had not earned that grace that God gave me. I didn't deserve it, and I hadn't earned it, but he freely gave it to me. By the time I got to work that day, I was so happy. I was tempted to tell my boss, I can't work today. I'm too happy. (laughs) I did work, though. Soon after that, God called me to missions. And the joy I felt at serving him was amazing. Our first four and a half years in Japan, I went with joy in my heart. But I had a sense that God had saved me by grace. But I was to go and please him. That I now had to earn that from him. And that was so wrong. God had accepted me by grace and God was going to use me by that same grace of his. I thought I had to please him by my efforts instead of resting in his strength and following by faith. The result of all of that was that I lost that amazing joy I had felt at being God's child. I still was his child, but the joy was gone. I lost the softness of being a child of the king, and I became hard and dry, spiritually and emotionally. And I was tired. I remember telling John, I said, I am so tired that even when I sleep, I'm tired. But God loved me too much to leave me like that. And so he drew me back to that first love I had for Jesus. And he reminded me that it's by grace that I was saved. And it's by grace and a walk of faith that I go through each day. It's that faith in Christ and living by faith that brings joy and and hope, and contentment. So I want you to remember, grace is not earned. It's a free gift that God gives us. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Elaine. Isn't she awesome? She's my secret weapon. Yeah. God's grace really means that we can be free from the feelings of being unloved. That we're... King's children, and uh, this Bible truth is so real, and it, it's really shocked me. Uh, several years ago, we were working with a Japanese pastor's wife. We'll just call her Hanako. She seemed so defeated in her life, and she felt that she could never be good enough for her parents' expectation of her. The church that they were at was not doing well, and there was this fear of shame, and loss of face, and failure, and defeat, and struggle, uh, especially in front of all her friends and a very little encouragement from them. And her husband and uh, and her wanted some help, so they came to Elaine and I to do some spiritual mentoring, which we do with leaders in Japan. And twice a month at our dining room table, she sat right here next to me. Uh, At first she felt so ashamed that she would not hardly even look up, and she would not smile hardly at all. And this is a vision of a person beaten down by society. And she was really trying to get people to like her, but as you know, the more you try to get people to like you, sometimes it doesn't work, and she was more frustrated, and she wanted their approval, and she was fearful, and she was worshiping at the idol of the approval of men, rather than at the feet of Jesus. And like we have shared with you today, Elaine and I started talking about our own struggles with acceptance, and how wonderful is the grace of Christ as as His children, and we can she continued to learn and pray and apply what she learned. We were very encouraged by that. And we experienced performance-based Christianity, and also we've seen it in other people. She was struggling with just try harder Christianity, struggling with her own power, but getting farther and farther from her goals. And we, we saw perfectionism in her, which is often fueled by legalism or moralism, not the gospel of grace. And so Elena and I have experienced this as well. So we talked about the promises of God for us uh, in love and acceptance. And we'll just throw, up, throw a few of them up on the screen here. That for One is that we're fearless. There's no fear of rejection or shame or punishment or the fear of failure for God's kids. We're already approved by God. We don't need to seek each other's approval. You don't need to defend or build up your reputation. You don't have to try to be somebody you're not. And you don't need the fear of wandering in and out of God's love and favor every day like the kid's game. You know, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me. That is not Christianity at all. And after a while, we could see a transformation in Hanukkah. She would look up and you could see her smile. And I said to Elaine, I said, You know, this gospel of grace really is really good news. It changes people from the inside out. It's really good news for the lost and for us who have been found. Uh, We saw it before our eyes. We see her at church now. She's a different person. And, uh, in fact, she's one of the last persons we saw before we got got, uh, on our journey to come back to the States. Now, here's some key diagnostic questions that you can ask yourself today and every day. When God looks at you, what is the look on His face? And then what can you do to change it? And I have good news for you, great news. On the authority of Scripture, because of what Christ did for us on the cross, you and I can become children of God, loved and accepted more than we will ever know. And so when God is looking on you, He's only looking on you The smile that I have for my grandchild. Even better than that, because he's God, of course. And we've seen two amazing truths of grace from Scripture here today, which continually are changing me. God's grace means that we are unconditionally loved and completely accepted as his children in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. This passage that we looked at today refers to in Christ 11 times. Much more grace needs to be understood. We have not arrived yet. We have so many blessings and riches to get from God. Look at verse 7. It talks about according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. Some translations say abounded on us. It's like this huge, awesome, huge buffet as far as you can see. It is rich and it's lavishing and it's all yours. Help yourself. But the understanding of grace is not just a problem for Japanese or Burmese or Malaysians or Mexicans or Russians or Americans. Uh, We all struggle, I struggle, to receive unconditional love and acceptance from God instead of seeking the approval of people and following performance-driven Christianity. We all need to experience more amazing grace, don't we? And we continue to forget and understand about God's amazing grace. And I want to remind you, believe in God's grace. Repent of your unbelief in it. Realize the more the glorious inheritance and immeasurable riches and blessings of mercy and grace that God has lavished upon us in Christ. We talked about two points today. Which promise to you do you need to apply in your life today? Receive God's unconditional love or understand God's acceptance as his child, which one is more needier for you today? And if you're struggling today, Elaine and I came here to talk to you guys, if you want to talk to us, we're here. And we're free to talk to you. We'd be glad to talk to you if you want to. We told you about the Agape group before. A few summers ago, we had a Fourth of July barbecue party in our tiny little backyard in Tokyo. Did you know that Japan is the 4th of July? It's right after the 3rd of July, you know. You heard that one before, right? Okay. But one Japanese man who comes to, to the party, he's a very, at first he was a very resistant Buddhist. He'd come to our house, and he'd wear his Buddhist prayer beads and he'd kind of point to him. He wouldn't say anything, he'd just point to him It's say, like, lay off, I'm a Buddhist, don't try to convert me to Christianity. So we're, we, we're cool, we didn't pressure him too much. And he always, uh, but it was Independence Day, and so I talked about liberty and freedom and stuff. And I used the, the, the verse from uh, uh, Jesus talked about, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And I talked about personal freedom in Christ and, and uh, how I am being more free because I'm a Christian every day. You know, and now Japanese, if you've ever met them, they're usually very indirect people, they're very reserved. They're not too outwardly emotional. Uh, and after my short talk, he did something that was very un-Japanese. Right in the middle of our tiny backyard where all the neighborhood, neighbors could hear, he applauded after I talked. And I thought, this is strange, you know. Uh, I thought, this must be a great work of God for him to go from pointing to his Buddhist parabeds to pr- applauding a message on the gospel. He didn't know you're not supposed to do that as a Japanese, I guess. But you can applaud like that. We can applaud like that every day and I'm learning to applaud more God's grace because grace causes us to live to the praise of His glory as it says in verse 6. Salvation is not the end for us. It's God's glory is the end of us and that's even bigger and even cooler. Uh, Do you want to praise God more? Well, then swim in the ocean of His unconditional love for you. You will praise Him a lot more. Uh, And He'll put that love and joy in your heart and put a smile on your face more than it is now. You want to praise God more? Rejoice in the intimate relationship you have with God as His child and His smile on you. That will cause you to praise Him more. So that's what we came to share with you today. Can we pray together? Lord, I just thank You so much that You're a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God of kindness and that You... uh, you lavish us with your grace and you lavish us with your unconditional love. Praise you that you're a God of love and that you've adopted us as your kids. God, forgive us for doubting and living like we're spiritual orphans. Make us fully understand more your grace so we live more like your kid, king's kids and orphans. And teach us to be amazed at your grace, how it blesses us, how it saves us, and how it lavishes us so richly in a makes us feel valuable. Help us to seek value in what you say, not what others do. And in your Son, we're, we know we'll all be united in him. And help us to live to the praise of your glorious grace. Show us how to love unlovable people with your unconditional agape love. And Father, too, teach us how to accept one another just like you do so that we can be people who are known to be people of grace and love. And so we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.